With the news media reporting increasingly more data breaches and cybersecurity events, and the use of personal data in ways that invade people's privacy, you need to know how to keep your business's data, not to mention your own personal data, safe from hacks and your business operating in the most secure environment. Otherwise, this can not only hurt your business reputation, it can cost you clients. Welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. We're here to help you prevent potential damages and losses before the hackers even have your number. Now, here is the Privacy Professor and your host, Rebecca Harold. Hello and welcome to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. I'm Rebecca Harold, your host. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the 94th episode of my show. Please subscribe to my show on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, or whatever your favorite podcast or news app is. Also, please subscribe to my show on the Voice America Business Channel website. Then you will be notified just as soon as each new show is available. And I want to thank all of my listeners throughout the world. I'm so happy to have folks from 66 different countries listening. I sincerely appreciate you and thank you for listening and sending your messages. I sincerely hope you're all doing well and staying healthy during these um, challenging times. My December Privacy Professor Tips message was published on November 30th. Please sign up for them. I've provided them for free since 2005, and I do that to uh, increase general awareness of data and cybersecurity and privacy issues, but also to provide a free awareness publication for organizations to send to their employees. You can sign up for them by going to privacyguidance.com and submitting your email in the box in the upper right part of your screen. And we are now also providing free ebooks and online flipbooks and awareness videos through our privacysecuritybrainiacs.com site. Get them from there and sign up for notifications about those from privacysecuritybrainiacs.com. We've published our second paperback book in large print font titled Cybersecurity for Grandparents and Everyone Else, Q4 2021 edition, IoT Security and Privacy. And it is available from Amazon Worldwide, and it contains volumes four, five, and six of our free flipbooks information, but we've added a whole lot more. We have more tips and examples, checklists, places to take notes, a glossary, and so much more. We created it to help all of those who have IoT devices, smart homes, and smart everything else. And for those who will be giving them and receiving all these smart devices and smart products over the holiday season. Go to Amazon, do a search for Rebecca Harold, and you will see it listed along with uh, many of my other books. Think about giving that book to the same people you're giving smart gifts to, <laughs> to make sure that they use them in the most secure and privacy-friendly ways possible. So today, we are discussing the importance of call and contact center and customer service privacy practices. 
Now, often the contact center or the customer service group is the only barrier between a caller and the personal information and access to the account of a particular individual. A few years ago, I was an expert witness for a case where I analyzed the phone recordings and associated records of a call center. In this case, it was really disturbing because a man had social engineered his way into his ex-spouse's IoT device tracking account. He got access to where she was located through that IoT tracking device. He found her hiding from him in a hotel that was supposed to be, you know, unknown to anyone. And he actually assaulted her almost to death in front of their five-year-old daughter. Now, this should never have happened. Um, While I was reviewing the recordings and the logs for the case, I uncovered where protocols and practices at the customer service contact center were weak or they didn't exist. But where they did exist, they were typically not followed. And I revealed some key recordings were missing that appeared to have been the ones where the most direct social engineering communications had occurred. Now, fortunately, I had enough of the recordings and then all of the other types of logs and metadata that uh, many would consider monitoring data, but it was part of that contracted work, right, of the call center. I was able to use all of this this different types of data and to put it together and really create a very clear, detailed um, view of what had happened. Those recordings of the call center staff and their conversations with customers, yeah, they can certainly bring up privacy issues for the, uh, the employees themselves. But without such recordings, how can wrongdoing for a job or just not following procedures Um, for a job based upon giving people access to sensitive information be identified. So we're going to talk about this, and I am so grateful to have on my show today privacy law expert John Bellow to discuss business process outsourcing, or we're going to call it BPO for short, and talk about the contact center BPOs who are used and the related privacy risks. Now, I first met John back in 2018 when I did a keynote and privacy training session for a BPO association in the Philippines. Now, I was supposed to go there in person, but unfortunately, we had a bunch of hurricanes going on here in the U.S., and there were a bunch of typhoons going on across Asia And all of that combined ended up canceling all of my flights. But I was happy that through technology, I was able to meet John virtually online and his colleagues and was able to actually provide my keynote and uh, the training and and work with John as he moderated a panel I was on for the Philippines event. I was able to join them from my Des Moines, Iowa home. So let's uh, give you a little bit of background about John. 
John Bellow is former chairman of the Contact Center Association of the Philippines Security Council. John is an NPC privacy advocate of 2021 awardee and frequent event speaker. John Bellow has a strong background in regulatory compliance and a long history of working in the global outsourcing and offshoring industry in the Asian region. John has earned many professional certifications, including Certified Information Privacy Manager, Certified Information Privacy Professional for Europe, a fellow in information privacy, and John is a member of the Integrated Bar of the Philippines. See more about John in the bio in my Voice America show site information about today's episode. John, thank you so much for taking time out of what I know is your really busy schedule to be my guest today. Welcome to my show. Oh, hello, Rebecca. I'm so glad to be here. Well, I am so excited to talk with you about this topic because it's so important and I think it's growing in importance. Uh, and I think more folks need to think about, you know, that link between call centers and contact centers and, you know, how people can or cannot get to, to information there. But before we get into the privacy issues, John, I know that most of my listeners are probably not familiar with business process outsourcing or, or BPO businesses. So I was wondering if just to kind of set the stage, can you briefly describe the types of services that BPOs provide? Okay, certainly. So BPOs actually perform functions, right, that are outsourced them by Mm -hmm. companies and some, and mainly, mainly this would be um, customer service functions. So in other words, uh, BPOs are supposed to make life easy for the customer. Once a customer would, let's say, uh, subscribe to a certain service at that point, and even towards the end of the end of subscription, he would change her mind or his mind, and she would end subscription. Then again, the um, customer service function will be performed most likely by a BPO, and then um, to make things easy and seamless, right? Okay, <laughs> to reiterate, we, we, BPOs would want to have to make the customer happy, right? And and this, and if, for example, you have you have a telephone or you're you're buying stuff online, chances mm-hmm. are you've actually interacted with a customer service uh, employee working for a BPO, right? Really, I would like to say most likely for an American, um, you've interacted with BPO employees. Right. If not on a daily basis, at some point in your life, you would be interacting with a BPO employee. Yes, because I think probably a lot of organizations throughout the world uh, do use BPOs, don't they? Do you have any numbers on that? I don't want to put you on the spot if you don't, but um, I, I bet it's probably a large percentage of. Uh, but, uh, yes, definitely. All the number one companies in the U.S. and Europe most likely would have um, uh, uh, BPOs working for them, either in the Philippines or in Latin America or in India, simply because it, it will reduce um, the cost of doing business. So, so definitely, 
a, a multinational company or Fortune 500 company was really would want to cut down on costs and, and simply focus on their core functions, they would tend to outsource certain, certain um, uh, businesses like customer service or even payroll or even bank functions to, to their BPO partners. Again, either onshore or offshore, meaning uh, a BPO can be within in the U.S., where it originated, or in other regions where they can um, put down the cost of labor. But at the same time, at the same time, with the, the labor cost will be low, they would have exceptional, exceptional customer service experience, uh, simply because, remember, BPOs try to compete against each other, which BPO company would be the better service provider. And this is why the, um, the performance level of uh, the BPOs compared to the in-house uh, customer service department of a company, let's say U.S. company, for example, they would really, really uh, outclass the in-house customer support service because of the competition of BPOs themselves, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and that is why uh, I'd like, like to believe that many of the Fortune 500 companies out there would definitely mm -hmm. have a, a BPO partner in place. Well, and I know I learned back uh, in 2018 even that um, the Philippines is like the world leader in BPO services, I think, at that time. Um, and probably, like you said, it's very competitive. I anticipate you've probably in the Philippines also continued to, you know, participate and, and be very competitive <laughs> there as well. So it makes it very important for um, your organizations there to make sure that um, that privacy and security and uh, maintaining all of those procedures and practices are so important. So, you know, what yeah. types of data would be involved with, um, you know, contact centers and other types of BPOs uh, that, that you look at as a privacy expert? Okay, so, so let me contextualize it, right? So remember those uh, um, uh, small businesses back home when people would know each other, right? Mm -hmm. And when you go inside, let's say, the local bakery and the person already knows uh, the owner would really know you, would know you, and they would really automatically know the, the order. So they try to, to replicate that, right, through the data being passed on from the client or from the company or the principal to the BPO, right? So, so mm -hmm. in a sense, uh, that means if, if the um, client, let's say an organization in the U.S. would have so much data, with respect to the customer, that data will most likely be accessed by a BPO employee so much so that when a client, let's say, ring up uh, the hotline, the customer hotline, and a customer service employee will pick it up, and what the employee would do, would be a, she would be able to access the client system where the data of the uh, customer uh, would be, and then the employee would definitely know the address of, of the person, right? The, the purchases the person had in the past. So, so definitely, since the objective 
is to make the customer have a happy experience, then they would have an employee, a BP employee would definitely have access to a lot of information, personal information about the certain customer, including online behavior and so on and so forth. Yes. Well, and then all of that data, that really creates a lot of responsibility then for the BPO contact centers, right? I mean, what are some of the biggest cybersecurity uh, challenges for BPO centers to address having all of that access to all of that type of personal data? Okay, so when I was still in the BPO industry and I was monitoring the, uh, the, the issues, cybersecurity issues being talked about in the industry, uh, more often than not, um, the cybersecurity challenge there would be uh, the the employee themselves, simply mm. because if you go to a BPO building, right, it's so hard to get inside. You will have you go through security checks, physical security checks, security guards. Uh, there will be access controls in place, CCTV everywhere. Even the locker areas have CCTVs, right. Um, um, and in terms of um, having the, the um, top-of-line cybersecurity software, of course, um, the BPOs would really be in that class, right? That's why it's hard for a hacker to get into the system of, of the BPO, of a BPO, because there's so many challenges, right, for them to... to, to to hurdle, okay, and at the same time, the same time, we have to be clear that um, BPOs don't necessarily store the personal information, personal data of the customers of its U.S. clients or European clients. What would happen is that an employee would be given a unique ID by the client, so they can access the client system. And once the employee, the BP employee, is able to access the system of the uh, client, then that's the time she'll be exposed to the personal data of the um, of the uh, of the customer. And that is why, in terms of cybersecurity, the challenge is actually how to train the employee to observe policies, right, or not mm-hmm. to do. These things, not to access a personal data, the customer unless authorized, or, of course, there are bad eggs. Like um, the Philippines employ 1.3 million in the BPO industry, right? And more than half that, 1.3 million. 1.3 million um, individuals. Individuals, direct employees, direct employees. And imagine that half of those would access um, personal data or data, right, mm-hmm. of individuals all over the world. And you ah. do that on a daily basis. For example, an agent has to deal with five or 10 customers per day, and you have 750,000 employees doing that on a daily basis. Imagine the extent. It really literally mm-hmm. blow your mind, right? Just thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so definitely, there are out of the 1.3 million, there are bad eggs out there, 
And it doesn't matter if the BP employee is located uh, in the Philippines or in India or even in the U.S., right? Mm-hmm. Because you still have bad employees. Remember that what happened, the data breach suffered by Capital One several years ago, two years ago, I think, right? It's mm-hmm. caused by their service provider who, 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 who somehow uh, reconfigured the firewall. Ah. That's why a data breach occurred, right? And that happened in the U.S., so in other words, yep. it could happen anywhere. The bad eggs are present everywhere. And just to share, and I'll share you um, some um, experiences, uh, not necessarily in my previous company. An employee, for example, during, the, during her or his off-duty, realizes that he just transacted a celebrity, right? Mm. For some data of their celebrity. And mm. after several hours or some days after, out of curiosity, she would access, again, the uh, data of that celebrity, which ah. she should not supposed to do, right? Yeah. That's unauthorized access. It would violate not all the regulations, the contractual re- requirements, right? And this is, just, this is just an employee being negligent, I suppose. But there are those bad decks that would really, really try to retain the credit card information, the social security numbers, right? And then try to to manipulate the system, or even some, some of them would even try to sell it to third parties. And I had this mm-hmm. uh, um, um, uh, actual experiences, and I'm glad they were able to prevent this. Um, there's, this um, there's this client who wanted all their customer service agents to wear the brand name shirts, right? So meaning, really? if you, exactly. <laughs> So definitely, our employees, we're wearing the shirts of, of the client, right? Uh-huh. Uh, from the moment they get out of their homes, they're wearing the client's shirt. And definitely, you have bad guys out there, the observant ones. Oh, oh that employee works for this BPO, and they have this client, and this client will process the personal data of their customers, meaning this employee would have access, and if we can bribe this employee, maybe, maybe we can ah. get social security numbers, right? Yeah. Uh, I'm so glad that, at least in my term, in that company, we're able to prevent that. But that's just a, um, one, one incident, but there's a more uh, sinister one. Mm-hmm. Um, we had this experience. Um, these are foreigners coming into the Philippines, trying to befriend um, uh, BPO supervisors because supervisors uh-huh. would tend to have more access to a certain uh-huh. number of data, right? They, would, they were pretending to be British, right? They pretended to be British. They tried to befriend one of our supervisors. Uh, the sub- supervisor got scared Mm-hmm. I thought they were just you know, trying to be friendly. They, they, they saw them in social media, right? Ah, they learned ah. that the employees is working for a particular BPO, and um, they hooked them up right through social media. They went out on dates, and then this force would, out of the blue, suddenly trying to elicit uh, credit card information, social security numbers, or even would attempt to to manipulate a system right, right. Of, of the client right so 
So it's really scary um, in a sense, um, you, since they could not hack the system directly, they right. would go through other means, right, through the employees. I think as of now, I said, based on my experience, right, uh, if, if you don't train the employee properly and there's not much accountability there, uh, you're, you're the biggest security, cybersecurity risk would be the employees, right? So definitely for me, from my perspective, as of now, as of the moment, I'm not really worried about ransomware or, or, mm-hmm. or any hacking because they cannot attack the the uh, the VPN uh, the because they don't hold the personal data of the clients with the client, right? So there's no sense in, 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 in hacking the system of, of the VPN because it will be difficult for them to go through the, to get into the system of the, um, of, of the client through the BPO. It's really so still you, for me, it's really the employees. So you're saying the BPOs then typically, they act, they get into and access the client systems to be able to provide the services. So you don't have a copy of all of that client data f- um, within the BPO systems, you use the centralized data of your client systems to for to support your clients and provide correct. Services. Okay, correct. Interesting. Correct. And what you just described then too um, is another social engineering. Like you were saying, it's important to have training. So the social engineering is is another situation makes training so important. I'm surprised. Um, We're coming up on a a break here, but when you were talking about wearing, um, you know, wearing clothing, just as one quick question before our break, does that mean that they were providing like um, face-to-face, you know, like uh, they were able to see their clients then? They must have been. Well, no, not, not necessarily. Not necessarily. It was just, uh, it's, it's not on video, right? Oh, okay. It's just that they want, you know, you know marketing guys of, of companies. Yeah, I see. Right? They would okay. talk to the marketing guys and they will be all over and then they want everybody, all their service providers to wear the, the brand for promotion. Right. But, okay. you know, we, ha- we had to talk to the client. Hey, come on. Oh, sure. It's a, it's a security risk, right? It's a security it, risk. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> and and yeah, and definitely yeah, exactly. And and from then on, as a as our policy, our CEO said, okay, no more uh, promotion of client brands unless yeah. it's only within the controlled environment, which yeah. is our premises, right? If that's, outside, that's please Let- don't, because it's security risk. Yeah, let's let's continue this when we come back. But right now, it's time for a quick break to hear from our sponsors. I'm speaking today with privacy law expert John Bellow about in-house and BPO contact center privacy risk and challenges. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, the privacy professor. You can contact me with questions and comments using Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Uh, stay with us. We will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. 
The Privacy Professor is your trusted source for effective information security, privacy and compliance advice, compliance tools, education, consulting, expert witness services, research, report writing, and board positions. Visit us online at privacyguidance.com. Rebecca also provides keynote speeches and her free Privacy Professor monthly tips messages she has published since 2007. Visit privacyguidance.com for help and answers to your questions. The Privacy Security Brainiacs team wants everyone responsible for security, privacy, and compliance to stay up to date with the latest news, risks, and security and privacy practices. Check out their growing library of topics not offered by others. Privacy Security Brainiacs also wants every business to perform automated risk assessments, which are free or value-priced for all types of security and privacy topics. You need to find out more about Privacy Security Brainiacs. Visit PrivacySecurityBrainiacs.com. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. You are listening to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. If you have a question or comment about the program, feel free to send an email to Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. That's RebeccaHerald at RebeccaHerald.com. Now, back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor. Welcome back to Data Security and Privacy with the Privacy Professor on the Voice America's Business Channel. I'm your host, Rebecca Harold, and I'm speaking today with privacy law expert John Bellow about BPO Contact Center privacy risks and challenges. And before uh, we went to the break, where we were talking about, you know, how a group was social engineering um, the some of the BPO. Uh, staff and how training was so important. So, John, you know, in the intro, I described a case where I was an expert witness uh, where uh, the call center gave access even after, and I guess I didn't go into all the details, but they even gave access after the targeted victim had asked them multiple times to not even um, have the account. She said, you know, I'm afraid that it looks like somebody's getting into my account and it's not me and I'm scared. Um, and, you know, just turn off my turn off my access to that. I don't even want this active anymore. But yet the, they got social engineered by the ex-husband to get back into that. So, you know, as you were listening to that case and maybe this additional information, um, what were some of the key privacy and, and cyber security, security failures that you heard in that type of situation? Yeah, so, so definitely I think, I think it is very likely that the, uh, that the customer service agent went off script. Mm-hmm. Because, um, because um, 
a, a customer service agent would simply follow a script, right, provided by the client, okay? And the mm-hmm. script is meant to prevent that kind of situation from happening. And if there are deviations of the script, then the agent will need to talk to the supervisor, escalate it, right? And then they would try to resolve it and investigate further. I think what happened in the situation is that the customer service probably tried, must have trusted the caller because of the basic information. I would like mm-hmm. to believe, because the customer service agent would try to verify the identity of the caller through the system. Right. It is most likely that the caller would have some bare minimum personal information. And I don't know, I never heard the caller recording. Maybe there's some kind of urgency there in the voice of the, uh, the caller. And that, and that sort of moved the customer service here to provide um, additional information about the, uh, about the, the victim, right? But definitely, I think, I believe the agent went off script. That should not have happened to begin with. So certainly there are some outside external factors that led her to give more access to the caller. You know, I'm wondering, you said something there very key about using the script provided by the client. So in situations where call centers are providing, you know, identity verification or access, the client has a big responsibility then, don't they, to make sure that these types of situations, like, for instance, if, if the, the client didn't say, you know, anything about, well, here are some exceptions, make sure even if they give you correct information, don't give them access because if the the owner of the account had uh, requested explicitly not to use that account anymore, then that should be marked as such. But if they if the client hadn't told them that, then would the call center they'd probably feel obligated to go ahead and continue following the script then, right? If it didn't address those types of situations. Exactly, exactly. Because um, contractually, contractually speaking, yeah, um, the BPO would just follow whatever instructions of the client. If they follow the instructions of the client, then they would have no liability. Of course, there will be some carve carve outs there. Carve they will be carrying out certain situations uh, that would address certain situations, but they're still within the script, right? So if the a situation happens, this is the script, and so on and so forth. But of course, if there's a breakdown in the process, right? Any we just depend that the BBO sector would just be dependent on whatever information being provided to them by the client, right? So garbage in, garbage out. If the client fails to notify, if it's not in the system that the that the uh, uh, the um, customer already opted out, but still there, then definitely you cannot blame the the BPO employee or the BPO company itself uh, for the uh, breakdown in the process. The onus will be on the cost, on the client. So that makes it very important, I think, for our listeners to understand, too, that client uh, um, organizations who do 
use BPO organizations for their contact centers, they still are responsible for the procedures that the BPOs follow then, right, to make sure that um, that appropriate questions are being asked. Like, you're... The, the BPO organizations, they typically aren't the ones that decide the identity verification items, are they? Is that usually the, the client that determines that? That's definitely, that those will be determined by the, by the client, right? Yeah. We're just providing okay. the, the, the service, right? So any information that we get, it's still in the, uh, coming from the clients, definitely for the perspective of privacy, privacy regulations. They're the controller of data, right. and uh, people simply be uh, processing the data of the uh, um, clients. Yes, I think that's something too. And and for my listeners, I have a lot of listeners out there who are not from the privacy or security field. So when when you hear the term data controller. That's the organization who collected your data to begin with and are ultimately responsible for how your data is shared and used and so on. So, um, yeah, so so that's who the data controller is. I think with regard to then, like, the contact, do, you typic- do BPO organizations typically have someone from their clients who are in pretty close uh, communication with them? I mean, you know, checking on things regularly, daily, or weekly, or or what type of communication is going on there so they can, you know, even be told about situations that might seem like there's a concern for what's going on? Oh, yeah. So, so definitely. So, so you have clients that would have uh, assigned um, POCs Right or vendor managers, so they'll be the ones okay, who will be managing the um, BPO vendor, and some of them will be there actually in the premises. They would be uh, living in the Philippines. Yeah, some of them, right? So they'll be the ones on the floor coordinating with the um, with the uh, BPO managers, ensuring they'll be monitoring the activities. Uh, they're hitting the metrics, the metrics. Uh, per mm-hmm. contact, contact record. So we, we have those types of clients. And clients, there are other clients would monitor the daily activities, the weekly activities, right? Mm-hmm. By, uh, because BPOs are, some do submit um, daily, weekly, or monthly reports to the clients. So they know whatever is happening in the side the BPO, they're hitting the, the required KPIs, right? So, so there, so they, you have, you have um, client clients assigning in their POCs or employees to directly handle, manage, and work with the ABPO partner. Right. Right. So yeah. it, just, just a quick uh, note to listeners, too. When you hear the term KPI, that stands for Key Performance Indicators. So it, it's basically measurements of how well you're meeting right. um the goals and expectations. So very yeah. interesting. So yes. Yeah, so when with the case I'm t- talking about, and what's sad, John, is the fact that I can talk about this case very generally as I'm doing, and not give away who it is because these incidents have occurred a lot. I mean, your uh, your call center staff 
you must, I, and I know you and the, the, the clients you work with, you provide a lot of training because you, you're a strong believer of that from what I've, I've heard you talking about, which I appreciate very much. But, you know, call center staff, like you talked about the other situation, they need almost constant training then, don't they, to help, um, you know, resist these types of social engineering uh, attempts, uh, you know, to get information about people. Right. Yeah, it definitely. So, so all employees, for example, where I came from, all employees, mm-hmm. including myself, not just the, the ones who directly handle uh, the customer information, even the support employees, are all are required to undergo cybersecurity uh, training and data privacy mm-hmm. training as well, because that's a recent development in the Philippines, right? You're, you're supposed to do that. There are so many modules out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you won't, and, and, and that's being monitored. We have a specific group monitoring the training of everybody. Mm-hmm. And we, we had 40,000 employees then. Right? So we have a specific group ensuring that all employees are, are trained in cybersecurity practices and data privacy practices as well. And mm-hmm. and you cannot, and sometimes you're 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 um, uh, you might sub, you will be even be subject to disciplinary action if you fail to undergo these trainings. And what's nice about our trainings recently, we we try to make it more um, lively. Yeah, we we moved away from the usual Q and A. So we're trying to use animation to make the uh, the, the training uh, livelier because there are, you cannot do face to face training right now because of the time constraints because of the pandemic. So yeah. we move everything to online types of training, and we make mm-hmm. it livelier, interactive, um, to ensure that the lesson is really uh, learned. It's just that you don't just click, 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 and then you're done because that's yes. not really how it works because we had we had experience not necessarily in the BPO industry but in my current practice that regardless of the the we had this uh, high level uh, employee right mm-hmm. so she underwent training and fortunately she she still fell victim to a phishing email right mm-hmm. and because of that phishing email the um, the bad actors were able to get in the system. And they were there for for several months observing the email mm. traffic, right? Mm-hmm. And they intercepted the um, like I'm using the intercepted term in a loose way, right? A, uh, yeah. An email communication so much so that a large sum of money were actually intended for another uh, party went to the bank account of the hacker, right? It was traced through that um, phishing email mm-hmm. uh, and, and which was, um, you know, uh, accessed by the top level uh, employee. So, ah, yeah. And she just had training, right? So definitely, um, it depends on that, on that type of training as well, I suppose, and how the, the employee would react to training and, and the, let's say, the accountability afterwards mm-hmm. for the employee who went to training, right? Yeah. So I think it plays a, a big 
process as well. Because sometimes I think employees would just go through the process training. Oh, here we go again. This is our end training. But they don't realize that these trainings are very important. They're actually going yeah. to prepare you from committing mistakes that might impact your career. And sadly, that person had to be let go. And she's right. at top level. She's been with the company for more than 20 years. Practically part of the company when it grew up to become a billion-dollar company. But they had to let go of her. Just to set an yeah. example. Yeah. Well, yeah. And probably it sounds like the way you're describing it, too, that may have even been a policy that, you know, if if things happen after you've had training, perhaps, and uh, maybe that was a policy. Uh, before we get, uh, I, I'd love to talk about this more, but I want to get to a very interesting poll that you did on LinkedIn, and it was earlier this year in around April or May. But uh, for my listeners, why John posted a, a very simple question, and it was um, about whether or not the use of artificial intelligence or AI to monitor work from home environments was okay. So it wasn't specific to BPO workers, but John, when I read that, of course, I automatically because, you know, I've known you from uh, your work with BPOs, why I thought, oh, so, you know, I was thinking about using AI to monitor the BPO workers from home environments. And you had as the the um, choices, if it was okay for cybersecurity only, or for productivity only, or for cybersecurity and productivity, or it was no never okay or for uh, or maybe need a little more information but um 21.3% said no it's never okay or a few of them needed more information and of course when i read that i was thinking of the monitoring as part of your job you know the need to monitor is part of your job and if you're working from home then you're going to need to be monitored. But I guess what you know, what, were you surprised by the results of the of your poll, and what kind of conversations did you have as a result of that poll? Yeah, it's funny you ask, right? You remember in that poll, fifty almost fifty percent said that it's okay to monitor the employee in the work in the work from environment for cybersecurity reasons. Yes. It only means it only means that um, uh, we are not prepared, right? In terms of uh, what are we going to do if an employee is working from home? Remember, mm-hmm. uh, especially BPO sector, if an employee is not mm-hmm. allowed to retain any types of information, right? Um, we have this no paper policy, no pen, so clean desk policy, right? So. And an agent would get inside the BPO premises, a building, you have guards inspecting the bags, right? Oh. So just entered uh-huh. the building. You have the guards inspecting the bags. They have devices that could record data, like cameras and all the recording devices, all inspected by the, by the guards. And then mm-hmm. all the way to the um, locker area, you will be monitored every step of the way by way of CCTV yeah. cameras inside the building right? right and once you're inside the production floor where the action happens right because uh-huh. in those are restricted areas the production floors even i cannot simply enter a production floor 
without, I, I don't have access to the production floor. Only those who are supposed to be there, should be there, can be given access. My, mm. my, my card, my access card, would just allow me to get inside the building, but I'm not allowed to get inside the production floors. Once inside the floors, you have supervisors monitoring everything, watching the agents, right? No pens, no papers, etc., etc. Oh. Just for the purpose of cybersecurity, you're not allowed. You cannot even bring in food, right? You can bring in you know, uh, water bottles because oh. you can, yeah, exactly. Unless it's transparent, right? The water bottle is transparent, that's fine. Uh, food is not allowed inside production, not because of sanitation, but because there's a possibility that you might bring, you can write on the, on, on, on the, um, the wrapper of right. the food, of the food right. wrapper. Uh-huh. Right. Those things, very, very strict, right? Very, very strict. Imagine heavily secured area, very much controlled. And all of a sudden, because of the pandemic, yes, you lose the control. Right. You lose the control and everybody would go outside of the secure environment and be working uh, from their homes. In the Philippines, mm-hmm. uh, we have a very you know, um, great family culture, so much so... So it's, it's not unusual for, for somebody who's already beyond 18 years old who's still be living with the family, right? Yes. Parents, right? So um, it's very likely that unlike I've seen the work from environments of some of my friends in the United States and I visit them, right? It's really an working office. It's mm-hmm. really an actual office. Unlike in the Philippines, most like the setup would be, they're not built as an office workspace. In a mm-hmm. typical Filipino home, uh, most likely you'll be you'll be working on the on the dining area where you can have some space you can plug the laptop or 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 the desktop, right? So it's really a nightmare, a nightmare. How can you how can you ensure that the data of a customer is protected from a work from in a work from home uh, environment? And yeah. that's why. That's why uh, a lot of those who responded, and I've seen their profiles, right? Mm-hmm. Those are people that have either cybersecurity, strong cybersecurity background. So definitely, okay, sorry. Okay, so to definitely those, those people would have certain background and would have certainly have certain, well, would have cognitive biases mm-hmm. when they answered the poll. So for so, so for them, since they have cognitive biases already because of the functions that they perform, it's no wonder that they, they said yes for cybersecurity because the, the stakes are too high in terms of a cybersecurity issue might cost to the company. Because I, I've, seen, I've seen clients pulling out uh, or terminating contracts and certain BPO simply because of failures, not because of the their performance, but because of their failures to comply with, with, cer- with certain security guidelines, right? So, so definitely cybersecurity issue, at least for those who responded to the poll, you know, they really took to heart the seriousness yes. uh, of the cybersecurity concerns in a work from home environment. So John, then when the pandemic hit, and you had to to do a lot more home working. 
um, work from home. Did did that impact like the clients? Um, you know, were they then providing more requirements to your BPO um, systems or, you know, and I guess we're getting here towards the end. So I'll say that for another time. I'm, I, I'll probably have to have you on again. To this. <laughs> but um, sure. for the last question, then in uh, one or two minutes, what is the key point or lesson you want our listeners to take away from our discussion about BPOs and call centers and, and privacy and security? I'll try to answer that in twofold, right? Because definitely, we just we also have to talk about the client's responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, as, as mentioned earlier, the BPO employee would work uh, from the system, on the system of the client. Unfortunately, they'd be given some access privileges. They would mm-hmm. have access to certain information. It would be better if the client system would limit certain access to the employee. For example, as I mentioned earlier, somebody would, you know, during off schedule, would be able to access the system of, of a client, right? Mm. Even mm. beyond the work schedule. If there the necessary securities by design, I suppose, are in place, then that would have prevented the employee from accessing the, uh, the information, even during off schedule. But, but then again, let me talk to the clients. Is there anything we can do about this? They would tell us, oh, there's so much, um, you know, we have to work from the, at the back end. It might cost us. And what will happen next is they would, the onus goes back to the BPO. And they, if, for example, there's an authorized access, there's a proper penalty in place that per contract, the uh, client can demand penalties to be paid. By, by the BPO. But some clients are receptive. They would say, okay, I agree with you. Let's ensure that we have the securities in place, security in place, and we'll not, have, we'll not allow access to the, um, the employee. There are clients that are, like that, that, are like that. And you know, those are definitely good clients, yes. right? Very, very helpful. Very. Now for, so the, I- for the customer, yeah. Yeah, well, we're almost out of time here with that. But just if you can just really in a sentence or two say what the customer needs to do. Okay, um, your your the client's data or customer's information uh, can be safe in the Philippines anywhere else in the world, right? Either India, same standards apply, right? But then again, right. if ever if ever you encounter unusual situation. In terms, for example, you look at your record, something wrong there, or somebody else outside of the blue would contact you, and you think it's someone, it's because of your recent customer service engagement, then definitely mm-hmm. immediately contact the, um, the, the, uh, the company, right? Right. And that's so, so that they could begin the process of investigation. Right? So, for yeah. example... Yeah. Well, we're, we're out of time now, <laughs> so I'm sorry. Okay, sorry. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's great stuff. So uh, thank you so much for being my guest today, uh, John. So um, today I've been, uh, really enjoyed it. 
Today, I've been speaking with privacy law expert John Bellow about BPO Contact Center privacy and cybersecurity risks and challenges. Please send feedback about this show. You can send it to Rebecca Harold at RebeccaHerald.com. Um, until our next show, ask those you do business with and work for, and you know even your customer service folks that you call, um, if they are doing all they can to secure the information you've entrusted to them. Be privacy aware in the month ahead. Bye for now. Thank you for tuning in this week. Data security and privacy with the Privacy Professor can be heard live the first Saturday of each month at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until next time, stay safe.